0: get on the stage to preach. I do my thing and I do it sincerely. And I want the audience to love it. And the only way to do that is to let them know that I care about them and love them.
1: Coming up in this episode. That's right, we're back again for a second, or is it a third or a fourth time in with the Menagerie? And coming up in this episode, we have everything we've been up to. Yes,
0: it's coming up. <laughs> and much more besides. <laughs> With me, everybody's favourite Greg, and me, everyone's favourite
1: Charlie, and me, Sam. Remember me because I disappeared off the face of the earth a year ago. And why was that? (laughs) Uh, We'll be coming back to that shortly. (laughs) Well, here we are. We are back in the cab, gentlemen. Even though it's a virtual cab, it's a pleasure to be here on the back seat of a digital cab.
2: Indeed.
0: The meter is ticking down.
2: The last time we saw you, Greg, you were in Cambridge, all places.
0: Yes. Oh, yes, yes.
2: First bursting for a pee in Cambridge.
0: <laughs> we, w- we got shouted at, didn't we? That, that was quite an adventure. Uh, yes, but uh, yes, yeah. the, uh, two-thirds of the menagerie will reunite next weekend as well, won't they, uh, in be? London.
2: We can afford to that. It's Shepherd's Bush, no less.
0: Yes, we're, we're going to uh, catch up with a, a very august guest star that we we had uh not that long ago on this podcast actually and uh put some more questions to
2: uh mr gillespie
0: mr robert gillespie
2: yes looking forward to yes. meeting him face to face not just down a not down a webcam
0: down the lens of a zoom <laughs> uh-huh.
2: so uh, you tell me you tell me that he doesn't he's not a drinker so uh we can't we can't get the pints in is that is that a fair comment I, I, I think
0: that's fair enough. Yes, yes. Not, so it'll,
2: not, be, it'll be cups of tea all round.
0: Yes, I think so. I, uh, yes, cups of tea, cups of tea, uh, that that sort of thing. Bit of a chat, a bit of a chinwag. wag. Yeah, that's see what he's thing. been up to.
2: So, so, uh, so can we have London Pride after we've finished or or before?
0: I think so. I think maybe maybe, maybe we can chat to him about his uh, whole August career. And then, um, and then get to the coach and horses, maybe and imbibe a few there, and uh, where Tom Baker, of course, famously used to drink back in the 1970s, and 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 see if any of the 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 Bohemian chaps are in there, or indeed any of our listeners. So if any of our Menagerie listeners are, are are happen to be in there. Um, uh, then tap us on the shoulder and uh, buy us around. We, we'd accept that, wouldn't we, Charlie?
2: I think we would. Say, say, you are colleague Kibber and I uh, claim my uh, postal order for 15 cents.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Mine, well, alternatively,
2: a... a pint of London Pride for £7.50, and then well,
0: we shall dig deep. All the, well, it'd be around about that price or the whatever whatever the foaming pint of uh, the best best ales that they have and maybe a pickled egg you know if they can run that far if we if we'd entertain them so much that they'd say not just a pint but also a pickled egg uh or maybe a couple of pickled whelks, then uh, and and we're hopefully we'll chivy out um bbc tv's uh Ollie Burton, uh, and and see if see if he uh, wants to uh, come along and uh, partake of I'm a sure pickled whelk or two. Uh, the world is our oyster.
2: I think he might he might insist upon a, a, a tray bake rather than a a, a small a small uh, crustacean. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: often I often see his eyes are wandering in the coach and horses. You know there, there are plenty of things in the coach and horses to catch his eye. I like- Sweet meats, uh, yes, mm.
1: indeed. A <laughs> <laughs> cold collation. You know, you don't get pickled eggs in the coach and horses now, because I was there a couple of weeks back in... Um, really? Well, not a couple of weeks back now, it was in November. But uh, oh, I, I, uh, I shimmied down to, to London, and uh, at one point in the evening I did drop into the coach, and yeah, it was very pleasant. Um, very, very busy... And incredibly mm. expensive. I mean, it was never mm. cheap to start with, but uh, it was ridiculous. It's something like six pounds for a pint of Guinness, which I, I, I'm guessing is the going rate in London town. But uh, I live on the outskirts of West Yorkshire, so I'm not used to paying those prices. Has it gone a bit spoonsy, sir? So? So, I wouldn't say it's spoonsy, no, because um, they don't kind of lay on the uh, the food or anything
0: like that. But, um, but you couldn't get a pickled egg. I mean, because uh, they no. they went all vegan for a while, didn't they? They they said, oh, sorry, we don't. Sir, pickled eggs were were vegan now, um, but I was in there with my friend Matt Melia, who's uh, Doctor Matt Melia, who's uh, uh, a, 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 a a film buff. He's 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 written books about Jaws, and you know, yeah. he's, he's 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 legit. Um, and um, and he managed to get pork scratchings. So explain that. It's changed. I think it's changed hands now from uh, a, from a vegan to a meat eater. oh Okay, so they're not vegan; they just didn't have any
1: uh, pickled eggs when you were when you were there. No, nothing of the sort, no, it's gone back to kind of more traditional, kind of like 1980s fare, you know, packets of crisps, that kind of thing, you know. Well, pickled eggs should be right up their street, you'd have thought. I think pickled eggs is more like a 60s thing. Sixteen seventies
0: seventies at best, you know. Um, you, you're lucky to get a pickled egg. like pickled eggs. Do you wonder if they like pickled eggs? I don't know. Maybe we should run a poll on Twitter. Do you like pickled eggs? Because we we take a very dim view of people who don't like pickled eggs, don't we? I think. Hmm. Well, I'm not would. sure. I'm not sure
2: about that. There's a place in Bradford that does them. I saw a guy uh, buy one for himself and he ate it and said that was the worst thing I've had, ever had in my life. And he called his mate across, who was outside, and said, "Check this out, mate. This is wonderful. You love this." And gave him pickled egg and then laughed his head off while this guy threw up into the gutter. Oh. I don't think that's how I'll, how I'll be partaking myself.
1: Mm, well, I think the mistake is that with a pickled egg, you do need to season it. So you need to break it apart, preferably with a bit of rock salt and a bit, a of, bit salt, of black pepper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you have it just as it is, it, it's far too sharp. It's the you... tanginess. Yes. They do tend to be quite rubbery. Leathery, yeah. Yes, so that you don't want one that's been pickled for twenty years. You, you want one that's been, preferably been pickled for about
0: six months. Other ones do you did, mm. Greg, which you brought on the podcast, which were delicious, absolutely delicious. Yes, I used to make my own pickled eggs. As did um, uh, the, the, the former uh, uh, film critic uh, Barry Norman. Do you remember him? Oh, yes, right. Yeah, he used to do that show where it'll be all right on the night. Yeah, he used to pickle his own eggs. Yes, that's true. I remember him on Film
1: ninety eight. I can't remember what year was something like that, you know. And why
0: not? And why not? Yeah. He famously had a wart on his face, didn't he? He did, <laughs> which
1: was exaggerated greatly by spitting image to the point where it was almost the same size of his own head. And uh, I do remember one of the jokes being, excuse me, Mr. Norman, uh, when he was passing through uh, customs at an airport, can we just check your baggage, please? And then someone leant forward and squeezed his jowls, which I thought was a great joke. <laughs> 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 Anyhow, enough about Barry Norman and his, his bags um, now. We'll, we'll move on to
2: what we've actually been up to ourselves for the past, what feels like, millennia What have we all been up to? Well, last weekend, last fr- uh, Friday night, I was in Leeds for um, a gig at the O2 Arena, and it was The Darkness in person Now, this is a two... A two hand, if you like, it was a double a double headliner. It was the Darkness and also Blackstone Cherry, a band that I've never heard of. Necessarily before now, I've heard of the name but not the music, so I didn't quite know what to expect. So I thought um, I went as I'm thinking that the, the Darkness would be on second, but they weren't. They were on first, so I was there for the support act really. And then uh, they came on, did their bit, and they were fantastic as they always are, very entertaining. A complete piss take, but they can do their bit. Um, and uh, we know that Rufus Tiger Taylor was playing the drums, and I noticed that Justin Hawkins, the frontman, was wearing a a white t-shirt which was um hot space. Now I know I know from speaking to you Sam that you had a hot space t-shirt purchased off eBay um, for Rufus Taylor didn't you?
1: Um I I did um went to a lot of trouble to reproduce only one so I didn't I wasn't mass marketing these damn things but um uh, an original Hot Space T-shirt, which you can't buy unless you was around in 1982 on the tour up north. Actually, whether you were in, uh, I think it was uh, Leeds, and there was another place up north where they played, and it was a red ringer with the Hot Space album cover on the front and the map on the back. And I managed to uh, recreate one digitally and get it printed. And uh, uh, to cover my costs, I sold the, the second one on um, eBay, which went very quickly for a song for, and they said for. It was for a friend that was going to be performing with it the next weekend. I thought, well, that's nice. And then, lo and behold, there's a picture of Rufus Taylor stood on stage wearing this very T-shirt because I could incredible. identify it immediately.
2: That's incredible. Well, my first thought was, is it the same tee that Justin Hawkins is wearing? But it turns out it wasn't.
1: It wasn't. It was too large, and it wasn't a red ringer. The original was a red, a red ringer. So it has like red piping around the arms and the neck, and that's what yeah. the reproduction had, uh, which Ru- Rufus was wearing a couple of years back.
2: Yeah, but pound of penny got the idea off you.
1: Ah, oh, <laughs> wow! <laughs> quite <a laughs> niche, that's
2: quite a niche, quite a niche T-shirt to wear. That's what I thought. Yeah, quite quite rare. Mm. But they were brilliant, and I thought uh, they were fantastic. But the people I was with were there for Blackstone Cherry, and they told me, in, in no uncertain terms, that the Adaptors were, were, were rubbish, mm-hmm. and that Blackstone Cherry were a lot better. They may have been mm. better musically, but they were quite, um, they were quite. Um, Um, It was very po-faced, what they were doing, it was in earnest. A lot of touching the the chest, you know, from the heart sort of thing. Um, But not half as entertaining as the darkness, so it was a good night out.
0: I did hear that um, Bob Peck was there that night. He was standing on one side of the auditorium. Apparently he always liked to be on the edge of darkness.
2: (laughs) Overlay some (laughs) some tumbleweed there, Sam. (laughs) 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 The grasshoppers chirping. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah that was that was good fun i've also been watching blake 7 um ah. no, i started that a while ago in, in preparation for one of our our uh, our deep dives mm. um, when we sort of uh, branch out into the wider sort of uh, echelons of, of cult tv and, and films and i've enjoyed it very much i'm, I'm currently on to, up to orbit which obviously, as you'll know, is the is the fag end of, of season or series D. Mm. So I'm almost I'm almost there. Um, but it's been it's been quite a ride. I mean, it's probably the third or fourth time I've done it in my lifetime. You're um, going
0: through chronologically from episode one.
2: Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's great. There's a lot to say about it. But um, yes, I've I've enjoyed the ride once again. Mm. Well, we'll obviously be
1: unpacking that later on um, in this season. Uh, where we'll be focusing on Blake Seven, which I think a lot of a lot of people will consider maybe to be a sister show to Doctor Who, and maybe, even possibly, the universes do collide and they do cross over, which is uh, something we will
0: talk about, because, of course, it was from the pen of Terry Nation. indeed,
2: indeed.
0: Yes, and David Maloney uh, produced it, and he directed many quality Doctor Whos, including Genesis of the Daleks.
2: The very same. Is now a good time to mention Chris Boucher, who was also, Chris, who, who obviously, the script editor for Blake 70, who recently it's passed Boucher. away. Mm. the last of the 70s um, writers. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: frightening, um, isn't it, when you think about it, really? It's a French name, isn't it? I think it's Boucher. The Boucher. It Boucher? Mm-hmm. Boucher. I don't know if he pronounced it that way, but it's a French name. Mm. Uh, yeah. They're all what? dead now, aren't they? The 70s writers.
2: They are. The last yeah. of them.
0: Mm. And poor old Sylvia Sims died lately,
2: didn't she? She did. Ghostlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just Ghostlight. <laughs> <laughs> A wider career than just Ghostlight. Yeah. <laughs> well, she p-
0: famously played um, <clears throat> Dirk Bogarde's beard in uh, in Victim oh. in 1960. <laughs>
1: Was that the actual credit at the end of the film? I hope it was.
0: Yes, Dirk Bogard's beard, played by Sylvia <laughs> Sims. <laughs> Isn't that a racehorse? <laughs> <laughs> it should be. It bloody well should be.
1: <laughs> oh dear. So, Greg, what have you been up to in the in the interval mm-hmm. since we've since we were on location in Cambridge?
0: Um, well not you know not a lot i mean, uh, we, we'll we we'll get on to Christmas in a bit, but mm. um uh i 've been out of action for a, quite a time um with a concussion of all things oh, uh, so uh, if this helps any listener whatsoever at all, um if you jolly well hit your head um don 't expect you 'll be like uh, Ian Martyr, who famously played Harry Sullivan in uh, Doctor who, uh, and that you'll get a blow on the head and uh, you 'll shake it off, and the next day you'll be absolutely fine um, uh, it doesn 't work like that uh, it's it 's an injury to the brain and uh, it can take its time so give yourself give yourself the time and space to recover uh, you 'll probably be out of action for a month or two uh, that 's all i'll say uh, so yeah it's been a been a, a rough old time, but um, it was a nice christmas I did go to i did uh, before I had my accident i did um, I did meet a friend of mine. Um, in uh, in liverpool an old school friend of mine a name of Rochi who um uh in 1989 we became friends because we, we we both shared a passion for roger moore and jason king and things like that and he said you know if you come to mine, they jolly well filmed um J- jeremy brett sherlock holmes just around the corner from where from where i live uh, so, i hot footed it naturally into into, into liverpool uh, I took the the, the nearest convenient train and, and Mersey rail uh, played a blinding job on that day. I have to say and um we went to Blackburn House, which is where they filmed the 1985 episode. Uh, the Empty House from uh, the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes series, and I think we should probably touch on that uh, series at some point, although there is a really excellent podcast called the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes Podcast uh, by two American chaps called Gus and Luke who did this amazing job of uh, 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 dissecting every single episode that that was ever made and, and interviewing everyone who was in, involved in the series, including David Burke, who was the original Watson, who's still alive, and who is the uh, father of um, uh, Tom Burke, who played the lead role in the J.K. Rowling Strike series um, on, on, on television, so he's become very famous in his own right. Um, all very interesting. So we found a location from The Empty House from 1985, which was terribly exciting. Uh, I did think of you chaps, but I didn't know if that would necessarily resonate, because I don't know if you're massive fans of the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes Series, but that's what I did over Christmas. I did that, and then I got concussion, so that's, that's been my story. How about you, Sam? I've had um, some, some
1: exciting events happen, I suppose pose way back during the the lockdown period, I when I was all on my own, I was taking photographs um, using my film three D camera, which is a little hobby of mine, and they're called stereoscopic photographs. Um, and I was taking a few of these, and developing them in the evening because that's all I had to do, and uh, mounting them, and then posting them on my little Instagram, which I do as a hobby. And then there was this call out from and brian may you may have heard of brian may he was um a session player in a band called queen um (laughs) Uh, to play the guitar i believe but uh, he had curly hair he he did yes you know he had a lovely head of Uh, hair that was him was it yeah that's right you know quite similar to the hair that Ange had in eastenders do you remember her oh i do yes Yes. do you know do you know a strange thing he married her Oh, so, my God. Yes. In real life? Yes, he married Ange. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and they both had the same hair. But anyway, I'm getting distracted by Brian May's lovely hairdo. Um, I
0: wonder if they have to share the uh, the, the hairspray or the hair gel, I wonder.
1: <laughs> Imagine their, pl- their
2: plug holes. It must be, be clogged oh, up all the time. Angie's plunging Plunging
0: away, Mr. Muscle. elbows like a steam horse. Oh, (laughs) gee. Whatever that is. Anyway,
1: by the by, he put a call out for people to submit some 3D photos for a a project that he was going to do, Um, uh, a potential book. So I I just thought, well, I'll, I'll throw my hat in the ring and submit some of these pictures which I'd taken, and I didn't really think anything of it until I got an email back from the PR person about two months later saying, actually, you've been shortlisted for... One of your pictures to potentially go in the book could you provide um a a description uh well that's incredibly exciting you know i didn't say anything to anybody because i always keep um these kind of things close to my chest because you just assume it will never happen and as it happens as it happens you see uh the picture was accepted for the book and they then brian may got in touch and sent me a contract which was signed by brian may saying we'd like to also use your another one of your photos in the introduction to the book, which is like the first picture you see in the book. So I was absolutely delighted by this. And I sat on this news for quite a while not expecting it to really happen until I saw it with my own eyes. And actually it has. It's been published. And the book you can buy now is called Stereoscopy is Good for You. And it's been heavily promoted. It's been on Radio 2. You can see it It was on ITV News at 10 uh, as one of the features. Uh, And my picture was actually seen um, in feature. So I'm incredibly proud of that. And it was climaxing with this event, which was Kept a Secret, which was a private viewing of all the pictures in Proud Galleries in London, which I was invited to in November. So I booked my train tickets, I was ready to go. I was going for a day and coming back. (laughs) And there was, it was basically a very private party with Brian May there. And he sent a video out the day before saying, I've not told anybody, but I will be there. And I want you to come and talk to me have pictures everything else i want to meet everybody who's in the book wet dream <laughs> it was just amazing Proud boys gallery as well yeah so excited so i was ready to go um and the day before i went um my partner contracted covid19 and so had oh. i and so i couldn't go um
0: and Why i was this? absolutely devastated
1: because uh But you're not allowed to go and
0: spread it like a disease, are you? You're supposed to keep a low profile, so I didn't... Were you ill, though? Were you showing that you were ill? Did you have the sickness? I,
1: at that stage, I was not particularly poorly. I I felt absolutely fine, but the, the actual following day, I did feel a bit rough, but I didn't feel any rougher than I would do with the cold, but that's by the by. Um, I mean, I spoke to... He should have to, just
0: gone, just shaken his hand, you know, you, 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 you could have been a footnote in his Wikipedia
1: <laughs> Yeah, that was an event in my, in my, in my, uh, in my year so far, which was incredibly exciting. And to be fair, Brian, um, uh, did telecast the whole event through Instagram and, uh, sent me a copy of the book, which he signed for me, which was really nice with a handwritten note. So he, he was lovely. He was aware that I couldn't make it. Um, and he's a very busy man, so for him to go to that trouble. Uh, it meant a lot, and I have the book on the shelf now, and I'm very proud of that. And I did get down to the exhibition um, in uh, February. No, oh, no, I got down to the exhibition. When did I get down in December? Um, sorry, I got down to the exhibition in December, and that's when I popped in the coach and horses for a pint. <laughs> And the other event that happened uh, this year for me uh, was that I have multiplied. Out of nowhere, um, there's uh, a a mini-me now, um, Ah. uh, a baby version, which has stolen me away from the podcast, which Ah. is why we're so terribly patchy with our episodes, but we're now back on track. Contact Uh, has been made. Did
0: you name him after a Doctor Who? Interesting, yes. Um, His name is Tom. Ah, so there was a Doctor Who called Tom, potentially named after Tom Baker.
1: Who on earth is Tom Baker? Or uh, Tom well, Bailey? Yes, Tom Bailey. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> well, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, little little Tom is um, ah. now very much part of our life, and uh, yes, he's some. Um, he's not so keen on Doctor Who. He's not. He doesn't like that. Who's his
0: favourite Doctor
1: Who so far? has not made any comment
0: yet um
1: ah, is, how old it, is he
0: he's, he's now eight months right so his, okay his vocabulary is quite limited um, have you shown him caves of androsani yet no I have not uh, uh, right.
1: it, I think it's probably a bit beyond him but uh, and also mm. I can't really show him any of the new stuff because he's far too old for it no. now so <laughs> I've, I've, I've kind of just, just going to have to wait until he's ready really for the Hartnell era which I think mm. he'll be about mm. 7 years old maybe 8 years old he'll be ready for that Right. Thunderbirds so. uh, well. first he's got, he's got Thomas the Tank Engine to start with you know all the good quality stuff the 80s version of course mm. Um and then we'll be Moving on into things like Thunderbirds, and then from yes. Thunderbirds, you'll be ready for Doctor Who. So it's all—it's all on the way. Don't worry, it's all—it's
0: all in train. Darkness and I Claudius, and uh, oh yes, mm-hmm. all calling. the good stuff. All the good stuff. Hey, hey, hey! Um, but I happen to find myself on the 1st of October, 2022, standing at a grave of uh, somebody that, uh, that, that we all greatly admire. And weeping, and, and weeping. Uh, and weeping. It, was, it was the grave of the man himself, the man behind the candelabra. You know who i'm talking about oh, from the muppets <laughs> is it walter liberace by <laughs> any it was i was standing at the grave of walter liberace A very fine pianist.
2: All right. Ah, uh,
0: yes. Well, you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a, a pianist of, 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 of enormous talent. 12 inch pianist, too. <laughs> yes, he was a prodigious, a prodigious pianist. Uh, I have to say, a remarkable, remarkable man. I stood at his grave. And do you know who's just round the corner from? Do you know who he's, he's. His final resting place is like basically here. Uh and then there's a wall you can imagine that, and then guess who's here <laughs> his poodle you, it's 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 good it's not right <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> Cubby Broccoli, can you believe? Cubby really? Broccoli, the, the, the producer of the uh, James Bond films. Um, yeah, so I found him entirely accidentally. I wasn't intending to. Um, I hadn't even noticed. We found Liberace and Pip and I, my husband, and Pip and I, we, we, uh, we, we took a drive out to the cemetery in Los Angeles to, uh, in Hollywood to, to find Liberace. And having found Liberace and taken loads of photographs, we were wandering back through to go back to the car. We had this wonderful hire car. It was uh, one of those new Audis uh, that you can get. Uh, about 60 grand, I think, if you buy them new. Uh, lovely little runner. Um, anyway, that's by the by. Um, but we were just wandering through, and Pip said, um, Oh, broccoli, isn't that, like, one of the James Bond people? I said, yeah, and I had a look. It was Cubby Broccoli. There he was. Uh, and and uh, on our way out, we saw um, Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. That's oh. very sad. Buried together. Died a, a, a day apart, buried together. Yeah. That's mad, isn't it? They're all dead now.
2: Can I just mention, while we're on the topic of, of graves, that um, you'll remember that last year I turned 50. <laughs> Um, yes, yes, I'm. I'm that old, listeners. I'm that old. And I'm for shocked. my fifth, my fiftieth, my wife, and my my children, uh, agreed t- to take me to uh, to Spain to to look at the grave of Arch Stanton. Um, do you know who Arch Stanton was? I don't. No, you're, not, you're shaking your head I think
0: I think to show my ignorance. Oh. Is, 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 Sam might know who Arch Stanton. Who's, this, who's Arch
2: Stanton? Is, this is the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> This is the grave next to which the mark, grave marked unknown was contained with the $200,000 um, in, in gold bullion. That is where we went. We went to Sad Hill Cemetery in Santa, Santo Domingo de Silos, the wow. south of Spain. And it was just, uh, that was a pilgrimage and a half. Mm. I mean, I wanted to see that place my entire life pretty much and just to be there and it's still it's been <clears throat> renovated recently by my sort of the local council so it's a real it's a real kind of um, experience to go there's nobody there usually we'll um, have the place to ourselves and just to walk around that that graveyard and just in the sun, sunshine and, and the sort of the, the, the central area where they had the gunfight at the end eastwood and wallach and um mm. the other one leave van cleef oh, was, a, yes. was one hell of an experience and and as we we're about to leave um sort of suddenly it became empty with nobody around and i took the opportunity just to, to just and to bellow at the top of my, my lungs hey blonde you know what you are <laughs> just the daddy son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> echoed around all the hills around a real just a real thrill um, I loved it. I, I loved it so.
0: Is there video know, footage of this?
2: There's there's some some pictures, yeah, a bit of video oh. footage. But anybody who's a, a fan of those films, you know, that is an absolute essential trip.
0: Uh, Walter Liberace, whose uh, grave I visited, he adored Christmas, didn't he? And he said, we've only just got beyond Christmas, haven't we? So, what did Santa bring in his uh, bulging sack to you lads? What did, what did he divulge into your, uh, into your bedrooms? Only into one way to find out, and that
1: is to descend into the celestial toy room once more.
0: Ah. <laughs> Here we ah. go. <laughs> Dusty Tats. <laughs> Now in the world, a celestial toy maker. He manipulates people and makes them into his facing.
1: Here we are, here we are, surrounded by the stench of mouldy old rubbish. Oh, it's delightful <laughs> in here. <laughs> it is lovely. It's lovely to be in Santa's sack, isn't it? You know? The smell is overwhelming. Yes. 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 It's,
0: it's lovely to be in the basket of old Saint Nick. It smells like the boys' locker room, doesn't it? It's it's really rather wonderful. It smells like that episode of UFO where Michael Billington is in the sauna. It smells like a little, little bit like
2: that. still your beating heart, Grace. <laughs>
0: A chance of uh... it's a very exciting time Christmas because we all you
1: know we, we get things that hopefully we want you know we've been pining for and as, as Doctor Who fans you know you'd have your wish list of Doctor Who things that you'd want that year and you'd hope that maybe you'd get one or two of them maybe even three that year from your parents whether that be the Doctor Who annual or oh, maybe I don't know the yearbook if it was in the 90s or a VHS cassette something like that or a Target novelization. so I mean Charlie did you pick up anything at all this year that was Doctor Who related or
2: at least not not an, not an awful lot no not not really, and there 's the stuff that i that i 've got to to share with you. I had to um, acquire myself after the event, hoping against hope that somebody would uh, would smile down on me and and, uh, um, and purchase the books that I was after, but it didn 't happen, so I had to buy them myself. Um, this was the uh, Stay Tuned: The Avengers Volume Two, and last year. Oh, marvelous! You might remember we we ran through uh, Volume One last year, which is uh, the compendium of the uh, Stay Tuned and On Target uh, fanzines from the uh, 70s and, and well, no, 80s and 90s, uh, uh, created by the great Dave Rogers. Um, last year, me and Greg got well, Greg was given his copy, art, but I had, I was given mine by my wife. But they're all in it. I think you were asked to, to review it, weren't you, Greg, for um, indeed, entertainment indeed, focus. So, this year, this year, I had to um, acquire it myself, and it's it's more the same, really. But it's it's again really really rather wonderful to look back on on these these um these old um fanzines in in one place the interviews are fantastic and it's it's amazing how there's little bits and pieces of of dave rogers life in here as well it's it's wonderfully self-indulgent which is what fanzines were all about in the 80s and 90s i think there's a question there's a a point here about um how they um they went to the small claims court over um um, an unpaid bill i think it was um and that and they they managed to to win the case, and they won expenses of sixteen pounds eighty and costs of sixty five pounds, which I suppose back in the 80s was, was no, it was it was a round of drinks or two. Mm. But it's just amazing how how you know how wonderfully um, off kilter this is, and it's really rather lovely in, as, at the same time. So um, again, it's not really a an academic tome but it's entertaining as hell and I said the interviews are very very nice and it looks wonderful and it's hardback it's for charity Um, so I recommend if you have um, a spare 20 quid do uh, invest in that I got myself. I also Did picked a up. For charity. Indeed. I also picked up this, which is uh, called Chopped Meat, which is again a, a very weighty tome. It's in full colour by those lovely guys that we belong dead. It's basically a year by year compendium of Brit horror films. And from pers- persons like myself who are obsessive about these things, it really is just. Gorgeous and just so much joy. I could sort of spend my entire life reading this, until, well, until... it's all British? To, I got it to the British It's British films, yes, or, or films oh. that have a, a British connection. It's the, the Amicus films, it's the Hammer films, huh? Norman J. Warren films, the Pete Walker stuff like... Um, Frightmare and the House of, of Mortal Sin, stuff like that, and oh. it's in full, full of colour illustrations and um, fans and sort of uh, connections of the, the publishers of written all the reviews so there's there's nothing there which is necessarily um professional but it's all written by people who know their stuff which is obviously great there's also a a review here of um barry mckenzie holds his own which we (laughs) watched very recently starring our friend robert gillespie before we interviewed mr gillespie yeah um and um for reasons that I can't quite understand they loved it <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was a car crash
0: <laughs> Mr Gillespie was not uh, didn't think it was his finest work feel, no not, not, not
2: really no so yes again if fans of, of Brit horror this is essential essential uh, reading uh, again it's called Chop Meat from uh, We Belong Dead uh, publishing and finally le- finally Esther um, this is the Christopher Lee book written by our, our, our very good friend Stephen Mosley um, again this is a similar kind of thing it's review of all the films that uh, christopher lee made in his lifetime and again it's just incredible uh, how much research has gone into this um in the number of um uh, interviews with those who are still with us um, just to sort of get, get a flavour and, and the context of, of Lee's career, and it's just uh, page at the page of, of interesting and, and not, not that well known sort of information that someone like myself who is quite steeped in this sort of stuff there was a lot in there that I didn't know already, so I was quite um surprised and delighted that it was you know it didn't just um trot out the same old, old crap, so yeah, that again. Uh, christopher lee the uh, loneliness of evil by Stephen mosley um is absolutely um uh, essential reading so again I'd, i recommend that to anybody out there who is of a similar mind to myself so those are the, the three books that i've pulled out off my shelf um from from christmas time um, always
0: nice to be surprised and
2: delighted indeed so what about yourself and greg anything of interest from um, on your from your shelf Well, it's been a
0: funny old year, really, because I I think possibly for the first time ever, not that I've ever uh, run a particular experiment about this or been particularly... what would you call it, forensic in my detail about observing this, but I think this Christmas is the first Christmas where I haven't had a single uh, Doctor Who uh, gift, uh, gifted to me. Um, Even even though my mother-in-law generally does um, sort of sacks where where, where, what what, what, what do you call them? Where where they're like Santa's uh, kind of uh, stockings, that's it, stockings. And, um... Normally I would find something like a Doctor Who a, a, a cake um what do you call it? What do you what do you call those things where you have uh when you put, Doctor you, Who cake? <laughs> when you put cakes in them. Like um uh like a uh like a cake cake. Thing. Uh, yes, a cake, cake thing. thing.
2: Like cake thing. Tupperware. Tupperware. Oh, uh, Tupperware. Doctor. Doctor Who Tupperware. <laughs> <laughs> or a pencil, a Doctor Who pencil. Or or, or, or a, or uh, a fine art casting or something more e- exciting or, or, or like that. <laughs>
0: or next year's diary with uh, Derek Tennant or uh, uh, Marjorie, uh, whatever her name is, who's the, the current Doctor Who on, on it. Whitaker. Of, of no interest. Whitaker, that's it. Marjorie Whitaker. Mar- yes. Um, that should, it's of no interest to in me whatsoever. <laughs> but, uh, you know, things like that, normally I would get, um, but nothing like that this year. But I suppose the thing that... Uh brings it back to this podcast, because we're talking about all things British and all things uh, cult TV and and film, um, is the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes series. Now I already mentioned that earlier in this episode in terms of uh, visiting the uh, empty house location with my friend Rochi. Well, my friend Rochi also me, gifted me this marvellous mug, uh, which is from The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, which I'm showing to the other chaps on Zoom right now. Um Uh, From Granada Television Series, which is one of the mugs that you used to be able to buy in uh, the uh, Granada uh, uh, shop when you used to visit the the studios, the Granada TV studios, back in the day when you could go and visit the uh, the 221B Baker Street set, uh, which was incredibly exciting. Although about 75% of people used to go off to uh, Coronation Street and about uh, 25% of people... For whom I had respect, used to go off to the, uh, to, to the Baker Street set.
1: Remember that you could get little coins with that uh, logo on as well, which I still have, and I
0: bought one in person. I was one of that 25%. God bless you. God bless you, Sam. I mean, it's just a wonderful, wonderful series. I think regular uh, regular listeners may know that it is, but it's my number two series behind only Doctor Who, um, and uh, I'm slightly reluctant that we talk about it just because the uh, Sherlock pod guys who, uh, if you Google uh, the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes podcast, Mm. Gus and Luke do such a wonderful job uh, talking about this show. But I also, from my mother-in-law, got this wonderful book, which is Granada's Gracious Detective, a guide to the classic Sherlock Holmes television series by Keith Frankel, which is published by um, Phantom Publishing, who publish an awful lot of uh, Doctor Who related uh, books as well, including novels by um, uh, Jeffrey Beaver, who played one of the masters in uh, television's Doctor Who. Uh, so, yes, uh, so m- most of mine were Jeremy Brett related. How about you, Sam? It was a very interesting Christmas, actually, in terms of, you know, most of it was spent
1: opening presents on behalf of our six month old boy who, of course, was not at all interested and quite grumpy at the prospect of having to sit on the floor and witness loads of things being opened that he wasn't interested in. He was more interested in the paper or the box, as as most people are aware of. So by the time we got all that done and the cooking done, we finally got to open our own presents at the end of the day, which was a bit of a chore. But by a lovely surprise, my parents had uh, sent across a few presents, and one of those was Doctor Who Related, because my mum has always made the effort to say every year, we want to get you something Doctor Who-y because we always have done since you were tiny, and I'm pleased to say it's never garbage. It's never a mug with uh, Jodie Smith on the side or anything like that. It's always it's always something legit. Um, and this year it couldn't have been more legit. It was proper Doctor Who fare, the equivalent of what would have been a VHS cassette back in the early 90s. She got me the uh, mum and dad got me the uh, season eight Blu-ray box set. You can't go wrong, can you? Ooh. Bit of Pertwee, Bit of Pertwee, And they're all good episodes in that season. I mean, there really isn't a stinker in it. So I, it was just delightful. And uh, I'm, I am quite sceptical about these Blu-ray releases because I... I'm, And I think we have mentioned this before on the podcast. I think if you're going to put something on Blu-ray, you need to somehow upscale it to a definition which is Blu-ray standard, not just pop standard definition video onto a Blu-ray and accept that to be good enough. However, the restoration work on the Season 8 Blu-ray box set is a marked improvement on the DVDs that went before. And good TVs these days, very good TVs and very good blu-ray players will upscale the picture to an even better standard than you used to have from the dvds so it is a worthwhile upgrade and i think charlie made this note quite a while back and it's something i appreciate more now having a child of my own and having no space but eventually my whole Doctor Who collection will probably be on one shelf as opposed to being on six so it does have its advantages So I am now fully on board and paid up on the Blu-ray range. Whether we'll all live long enough to see that format completely fulfilled, I'm not sure, because unless they do three sets every year, I think the demand is going to dwindle and the cost of production is going to increase. They're going to struggle. So they need to really move quickly. And I think they need to start moving out maybe old doctors onto Blu-ray as opposed to just seasons. I think they really need to pick up the pace. but. I was won over, really, by the season eight box set. I thought it was just a phenomenal piece of work. And the extras are just lovely. (laughs) I've got two other very nice um, gifts this year, which I'd like to mention very briefly, which do have Doctor Who connections. have any subscriptions to Apple TV or Disney Plus or anything like that. So when Peter Jackson announced that he was working through all 18 hours of the footage that's currently at Apple Music from the recording of the Get Back stroke Let It Be project that the Beatles ran in 1969, I did think, well, it sounds good, but it's probably going to be very long and I'm never going to get to see it. And if I'll have to wait until there is a Blu-ray release. Um, of this, basically this mini-series, which is an eight-hour movie. Um, And there was touch-and-go, whether there was actually going to be a Blu-ray of this at all. Um, And I was waiting and waiting, and I was watching on Amazon thinking, well, can I put this on my Amazon wish list for Christmas or something to see if it's going to happen? And finally, it was actually announced that it's going to be on (gasps) Blu-ray. Very exciting. Apparently, Peter Jackson, as we know, is a massive Doctor Who fan and just an obsessive about anything that's cult or before 1980. Um, Sylvester McCoy. Yes, well, he owns Sylvester McCoy's costume, isn't he? Um, as well as a few Daleks from Remembrance of the Daleks, I believe. He, uh, he fought hard and fast to make sure that uh, Get Back would get um, a physical release because it was his view that that would be the very last release probably of ever a Beatles documentary on a physical media. Especially because Disney are very anti-physical media now. They want you to stream absolutely everything and subscribe as opposed to own their product. Uh, that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's up to you, really. uh, It's a bad thing, I don't really want to be beholden to streaming. I'd like to have my own physical copy of something and play it for the rest of my life, my own demand. So I finally got, get that, uh, a free Blu-ray set. Uh, for Christmas, which has nothing on it apart from the film. Minimum effort made by Disney, but at least I had it. And uh, I watched all eight and a half hours over a period of about a week and a half.
2: Ooh, well done.
1: <laughs> yes. And now, it, it's, it's enchanting and mesmerising and beautiful to watch. But one thing that Peter Jackson is not renowned for is his own self-restraint. <laughs> and Anybody who's familiar with the film Let It Be from 6970 will know that it's actually quite a short film. I think it's about 70 minutes, maybe 80 minutes max. Um, this is an extended version of that film, but just for eight hours. It, um, <laughs> and. and the crime it commits for me is it omits actually all of the studio recordings that we're familiar with from the album let it be because he's assuming that you've heard those before and it shows you all the supplementary material around it and i'm thinking yeah that's great but i really would like to actually see them performing those tracks in the studio which i know so well Um, and whilst you do get the rooftop performance uh in a multi-view at the very end of the film which is lovely to see. And the upscaling from 16mm using AI and everything is beautiful, and what the Doctor Who blu ray should be trying to achieve. It is probably a bit too much, uh, even for a super Beatles fan. Uh, I would have been happy with three-hour film, uh, not an eight-and-a-half-hour one.
2: Are you familiar with the, the podcast Nothing Is Real? So, yes, I am
1: actually. Is that the absolutely one with the,
2: wonderful. The yeah. two
1: Irish guys.
2: Yes, they yeah. know so much about this stuff. As uh, their review of, of Get Back was of the of the Blu-ray was, there was so much they could have put on. Yeah, extra stuff that even though we had eight hours, there was that wasn't didn't scratch the surface. There was so much more that could have gone on there and ought to have been on there. Oh, really? That was Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Is that more? Were they more arguing the case though that they 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 weren't? Um, they wanted stuff included that wasn't there, or where they were saying that they loved everything that was included by Peter Jackson, but he could have gone further because I feel that's not correct i think
2: yes, I think think that was the point that that they loved what we were, we were given we were fed by Peter Jackson, but there was so much more in in the in the context of a blu ray three disc set he could have max the extras with extra bits and as you say the performances of the songs that were familiar that, that weren't in the film could have been on there plus other stuff so i think that, that their, their view is that having seen that film on netflix to, or disney plus rather to see the same thing again um, was a missed opportunity um, that, because there was a lot more there and your view that that jackson was perhaps less disciplined and ought to have cut back on the eight hours i think wasn't a, um, a view that they share.
1: Well, I, th- I think it's. It, I think it's a mini series. It is digestible, and you can work through it. But I think a lot of it is them just farting around. I mean, Charlie, we've both been in bands, and we know that uh, there's a lot of time spent in rehearsal rooms and practice rooms. Just doing nothing while people are tuning mm. or having conversations or even arguing, or even worse, just having passive aggressive arguments. And there's a lot of that. The Beatles are very good because they're scousers, as you know, Greg, having passive aggressive arguments. So it's arguing through joking.
0: And uh, that was interesting yes. to watch. I remember the 90s series uh, where uh, George Harrison was just about still alive. And um, Paul McCartney used to give his point of view on things of course Lennon was dead by then and uh, and they'd ask George about things and he'd give this very sort of grand uh, pseudo intellectual kind of uh, sitting on the fence kind of view and then they'd cut to uh, Ringo to see well what was your what was your view on this 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 uh, tete that was happening between Lennon and McCartney and he'd just shrug his shoulders and go I don't know I was just a drummer like you know <laughs> And so that was, that was quite an amusing
2: choice. I don't think that George Harrison ever sat on the fence in his entire life. <laughs> George is very to the point, very opinionated. George, George, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 George and Get
1: Back, uh, it's, it's the most wonderful resignation from the band you've ever seen, because it's so low-key.
2: Uh, I think I'll be li- uh, leaving well, the band now. When? Now. Get a few <laughs> the NME and get a few
0: people.
2: Last few was to
1: see what happened. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, people listening to the podcast aren't seeing my uh, impression of um,
0: which Macca's face.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thumbs up, McCartney, but yeah, I, I, I take your point, I take your point, Greg. that um, the, the uh, you've got you've
2: got Macca's hair for forget back at the moment, so Sam, <laughs> I have. <laughs> Rather greasy. <laughs> <laughs> the beard needs a bit of work, but the hairs there. Yeah. Uh,
1: Get Back's well worth owning on on Blu-ray. I think. Yeah, just pace yourself and watch it. But the uh, which which you think would be the next one to die? Oh, probably probably Ringo. I should imagine. Ringo. Yeah, he, he's, they, they, he's the, yeah he, he's lived a hard life in LA, hasn't he? So
2: he's the el- he's the eldest, isn't he? And he's the eldest by
0: order of talent. Hmm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> harsh but uh, yeah um I, I very much
1: enjoy that and of course the link to doc Two is that the Beatles were in episode one of the chase so there you go.
2: oh yes uh, yes uh, they're also evil. in evil Daleks as well <laughs> of course yes
1: yeah well remembered <laughs> well remembered so yes it was uh, an interesting experience watching get back finally catching up with everybody else and the rest of all that's seen it before I had um and one thing it did prove was that and I know that t- mm-hmm. Peter Jackson has all the firepower of the Weta Workshop to process his video footage and make it look incredibly clean. And some people would argue plastic looking. And I do think the restoration probably did go too far in some places. But what it did do is it added a vibrancy to the 16mm footage and made it worthwhile owning on Blu-ray. And I would like to see some of that technology applied to the Doctor Who Blu-rays, considering these are going to be the very last physical versions that we'll own, next door to the traditional standard definition versions on those discs, because there is the capacity to do that. So you could opt in seeing this plasticky, smeary, upscaled version designed for 4k TVs and future proofing it for future generations to enjoy as opposed to just having this kind of soft 4x3 upscale which currently we're getting and really the technology is there now to do much better so that was the point I wanted to make really that looking at get back
2: shows you what you can do with really crappy footage that's 50 years old can I ask Sam what's your uh, expectation or hope for the season 2 box Doctor Who well I think you guys have got it. I've not seen it. I it's not out. Wait, it is out, but mine's
1: in shrink wrap. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, Well, I've got very low
2: expectations.
1: I should imagine it will look very much like it did on the DVDs, just probably slightly cleaner. Uh, What can you do with a 16mm tele recording of a 405 line source?
2: (laughs) Greg, Have you dipped in yet? Uh,
0: I haven't. Only just today. I've uh, finished my uh, long. 18 month gallop through the entirety of doctor who from start to finish uh, which we should probably talk about in a future episode uh so i have the season two box set still in shrink wrap a bit like yourself charles so i mm. have yet to dip in uh but it's next on my list having just literally today um finished episode three of survival how does that feel um liberating uh, wonderful um, I, I enjoyed it back. immensely <laughs> it's nice to think I have other options now and other things to watch but um, I it, it was worthwhile doing but I think there's so much this to talk about that that maybe we should talk about it at a, at a future point because yes. there's an awful lot to unpack uh, or unpack as perhaps I should say
1: we will, so. be, we will be committing a whole episode um, to <laughs> Greg's experience of watching all of Doctor Who from beginning to end. Um, just, I've ranked them all now as well, so, you know, we've
2: ranked of all the doctors. Like lists. yeah. like <laughs> so, yeah, But hard ranking.
1: yeah. <laughs> this, which was a lovely bit of symmetry, I'm holding up here a copy of uh, a CD, a lovely... Uh,
0: Oh, yes, the the Unearthly Child DVD. Oh, no, 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 no. uh, It's the miracle. It's the miracle.
2: Now,
1: that is the Doctor Who connection, Greg, because the cover of Queen's the Miracle from 1989 did directly influence the... (laughs) VHS cover of The Unearthly Child that came out a year later, which was illustrated by uh, Alistair Pearson, which had uh, Doctor Who's face bleeding with his granddaughter Susan's face on the cover, which is the same as all four acts from Queen. Uh, but those was done photo um, realistically, wasn't it? Using cutting edge technology in 1989. is an amazing album in many ways for me personally, because it's the first Queen album I ever owned. And I was bought it in Christmas 1989 on cassette. And uh, I was bought in Rock and Roll years. <laughs> it was in the Rock and Roll years, back in 89, Christmas 89, copy of the miracle on cassette, packaged with the best of status quo. And I still own both of those tapes. And now to be, again the miracle on cd uh, expanded with all of the studio sessions it's a revelation because this is a, a much maligned album for for good reasons it's uh, the pete waterman queen album if you like it's steeped <laughs> in 1989 if kef mcculloch would have done a queen album this would have been it <laughs> second disc and on the second disc it's just the band in the studio with their instruments running through the numbers without any of the production
2: <sighs> and it's fucking marvellous. It's just incredible. It is. It is. I, I agree entirely. You, you'll know, Sam, that that the Miracle has been and always will be, or oh, well, has been up till now, my least favourite Queen album. But it just zipped right Mine up the too. ranks. Mm. Hearing, hearing the uh, the studio stuff without all the whistles and bells and all, of, all the 80s wash that they, they lathered onto it. And just stuff like party for example just comes alive you know in the studio without all the production stuff it just it's a brilliant track and how they released the album um in that kind of um format originally and i loved it so much
1: more than i did it's great isn't it and you just hear that the band having such a good time riffing off each other bouncing off each other being quite relaxed and loose, if you like. There was a real live quality to those studio recordings because they are essentially live recordings. They're not that washed, as you say, Charlie. They're not polished. And something's lost in the production. I don't know if it's been overproduced or they've tried to market it to a younger generation, but Roger's drums just are not there on the album. But in the studio, they're there and they're loud. And there's even a point where I think, um, (laughs) Freddie goes, the drums are too loud. I find the drums a bit loud. I'm thinking, no, no, they're not. They're absolutely banging. I'm loving the drums on on this second disc. So I can't... I mean, we could unpack this for a good hour, and this is not a Queen podcast, but culturally, anybody that's listening to us now is going to be over the age of 40. So you will be of... This album will be of interest to you. Please do check out on Spotify the deluxe edition of The Miracle and have a listen to the second disc, which is called The Miracle Sessions...
0: And then he, Brian May threatens the sewers. But anyway, I, 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 <laughs> I, 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 I've got to run because I've, I've got to get to my Pilates class. So uh, uh, I'll have to dash off any moment now, chaps.
1: No worries. Let's you, you, yeah, split. But um, coming up in the next exciting episode of The Complete Magic, we will be returning to Greg's amazing voyage through every single episode of Doctor Who including I believe K9 and Company so (laughs) (laughs) we'll be taking a view of Doctor Who in the next episode which not many podcasts particularly Doctor Who podcasts take which is not the narrow forensic view of Doctor Who but the broad wide angle of Doctor Who as an ongoing series is it any good? well we'll have the answer won't we in the next exciting episode of
2: The Complete Menagerie (laughs) <laughs> Bye-bye,
1: Bye-bye.
0: If you
2: enjoyed listening to that twaddle, you can follow us on Twitter at Dwmenagerie. That's at DWmenagerie and we'll be tweeting various photographs of our inside leg
0: measurements and that sort of thing. Doctor Who is copyright of the BBC. No infringements on copyright are intended. Support Doctor Who by purchasing DVDs and CDs and all other media from the BBC. Any comments made by the complete menagerie, <laughs> almost, are oh, all our own. You've been listening to a Sixth Floor production. <laughs>